0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome into to the Ots and Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Priam, Eric Scopo, Jared back on the show today. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the podcast. Uh, we are about a week away from the start of football season. We're going to ended fall camp. Uh, they have today off actually on thursday august 24th uh it's a recovery rehab meeting type day they're not going to be on the practice field and then dan Landing said that starting friday and this weekend they begin their preparations for their home opener against portland state next saturday afternoon with that we've decided we're going to kind of run through the positions of each group exiting fall camp um it's not going to be full on like depth chart breakdown but more so just kind of some analysis at each position kind of some discussion points of what we think is centered around uh th- each position group with the Oregon Ducks. Um let's start with quarterback. We're going to start the offense on today's podcast. Defense will be tomorrow. Um there's not a lot of questions here. I think Eric, you maybe asked the question about how the backup job is going between Nova Sad and Ty Thompson. Is it Ty Thompson and Nova Sad? Nova Sad, Ty Thompson. Um, we got some interesting details there, but like that's really the only thing because Bo Nix is back and he's like a top five, top ten quarterback in the country.
2: Yeah. Aside from Bo being on billboards, I don't know what else we're really talking mm-hmm. about right now. Um, you know, he he's. As advertised, I think everybody knows what the situation is there. Um, the backup spot is kind of interesting, right? I mean, we, we talked to, I, I think it was notable that both Dan and Will Stein and even Bo had a lot of really nice things to say about Austin Novosad and his progress. I wouldn't expect anything different. I mean, I don't think you're going to speak poorly of your true freshman quarterback, but it does sound like he's made progress. It does sound like he's somebody that is, um, has the right work ethic, the right aptitude for the position based upon what everybody has said. Um, And so that's really encouraging, but it it also sounded like, based on what Will said on Monday, offensive coordinator, that Ty Thompson kind of has just that little bit of an edge because of the experience. Um, He said he'd put himself in good position to be the next man up, was I think basically the exact wording of what Will said. So I think Ty Thompson's your backup for the the third straight year. I guess it'll be interesting to see how they divvy up reps if they try to get Austin into some games this fall, if they're able to get both out there in certain, I mean, upcoming game against Portland State's probably your best bet. Um, But I guess I kind of don't know how much that really matters in 2023. So um, you're hoping Bo is healthy all the way through. You're hoping if Ty, for some reason, needs to enter the game, he's better prepared than he has been in the past or performs better than he has in the past. But it's a position of strength without question when you have Bo Nix, who I do believe is one of the four to five best quarterbacks in the country. Also one of the four to five best quarterbacks in the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 has two of the very best with Caleb Williams and Michael Penix. So um, I think Oregon puts himself in with, with Nix on the roster. They're in position to to compete and, and win a lot of football games. Um, I don't know if I have a lot of confidence with what's behind them. I don't think anything in the fall has really changed that. But I, I feel pretty solid just about where everything's at, I guess.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's any bit of a surprise, really. I mean, I think this is what we all anticipated heading into the season that Ty would be the backup and also would be the third string just because of experience and probably talent at this level. I know Ty is more uh, like physically ready for college football um yeah it's a it's wonderful quarterback room with Bo Nix there um I don't think any team across the country feels like very confident in their backup quarterbacks uh yeah if you have two or three quarterbacks that you'd want to play that means you don't have a single quarterback so uh, I th- I think this is just how you know the, the the ship is across the country like you have your starting quarterback and you have everybody else um I, I mean I think against Hawaii <clears throat> excuse me and Portland State are like the opportunities that just come to my head where it's like maybe we see Ty and Austin in a game um probably more against Portland State than Hawaii than anything else but uh it'll be fun to see him get get on the field every once in a while uh if he gets on the field more than every once in a while there's a real problem here but yeah the quarterback room has been kind of finalized since. I don't know. Last year, like against BYU or Bo Nix, showed that he's like a legit dude, and that Georgia was past him, and uh, whoever they played, Eastern Washington was just you know an FBS school. Um, so uh,
1: no changes here. Real quick, what's the ceiling Bo has? Because that's like that's what that's not the question here for for him is just like does he become? Can he become the the nation's best quarterback this season? Is he? Only able to get into that top three? Is it top five? Like, what what's the ceiling here? I I have a hard time. Caleb Williams is back. He won the Heisman, so like I have a hard time saying like he he can maybe clearly become like the top dog in the sport at his position. Um, he can be in that discussion, but being a definitive, clear cut answer, probably no. So I would probably say like top three is probably. The ceiling for Bo, which is, and like Eric's point this year, you gotta be really good. Damn good to be a top three quarterback in the country. Well, you don't, I
2: think obviously Oregon thinks he can be the best player in the country because this is a Heisman campaign that they are, they are kind of starting. And so there's that belief right. there. And I think the one thing, while I don't believe he's the most talented quarterback in the country, I like think Caleb Williams is really hard to argue with them. I like think Caleb Williams is one of the more talented individual quarterbacks we've seen in college football in several years. Um, but the good thing for Bo is that the, an award like the Heisman is very much a narrative award. And Bo will have an opportunity to play both uh, Caleb Williams and Michael Penix during the regular season in Pac-12 play, possibly a chance to play a third game against one of those teams um, in the conference championship if things go well. So like if Bo Mix goes 3-0 and in games against those two quarterbacks, let's say hypothetically, I think the door is wide open for him to be a real legitimate Heisman candidate. But that's asking a, t- a ton. Um, so I do think the doors like the, because of the way the schedule sets up, like I I think we could get to a spot in the season where it feels like he's very much one of the top quarterbacks just based upon on-field production. And he certainly was that last year. He just didn't, well, he, they struggled down the stretch of the season once he kind of, I think caught up a little bit in, in some of the Heisman conversations. So, um, Will he win the Heisman? I, I don't know. I wouldn't bet on it. But I also think there's an opportunity here if he takes care of business in games against those other candidates where, where he can very much be at the top of that conversation going into award season.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with Matt. I think a top three is probably the ceiling there. Um, it's going to be, obviously, like like Eric said, it's obviously a narrative-driven award at points with the Heisman. Um, and for Oregon, they're already doing their part with all the billboards and all that good thing. So he's off to a good start, but... I just think it's going to be hard for uh, him to do like for for counting stats to be much better than he was last year because he was phenomenal. Um, And with Oregon's offense, uh, I think that a similar season would definitely uh, improve his stock and improve his Heisman candidacy. And, you know, if he doesn't get injured like he did last year down the stretch, uh, you know, he adds even more. Uh, You know, touchdowns to his resume, more passes, more yards, more everything probably breaks Marcus Mariota's uh, rushing touchdown record. Um, So I think there's a chance for improvement. I think he can get there. I think this offense will allow him the opportunities to get there. Um, this is just one of the better quarterback classes across the country that we've had in a long time. Obviously, Caleb Williams and Michael Penix at Washington and USC, um, and then you have you know guys like Drake May across the country. You have Sam Hartman. You have Joe Milton at Tennessee. You have a lot of guys who um, either have the pedigree that they've they've performed in the past, or they have the skill set. They have now have the opportunity to go and kind of put their names inside this Heisman race, or uh, to be the best quarterback in the country. But Um, I think with improvements, you know, another year at Oregon, another year under a very similar offense, another year with these wide receivers and offensive linemen, like I think Bo can get better. Um, It's just that he played so damn well last year, like having another season where he has almost like a 73% completion percentage is going to be difficult. It's going to be very outrageously hard, but he did it once. So maybe he can do it again. Um, But I think that top three just in terms of pure talent. Like I still think that Caleb Williams and Drake may are the better quarterbacks, but how Oregon plays, how he plays in those big games, like Eric said, in the narrative portion of the media hype um, will be incredibly important to his candidacy. Let's
1: move to running back another position, much like quarterback where, in this one, the top two guys are established and probably the top three, uh, Bucky Irving, Noah Winkton, and then Jordan James. And, me if you guys agree with this it's more so of maybe the question for me with this group is does the 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 the, the offense do they decide to give one guy a huge bulk of the carries whereas last year it was bucky and Noah basically going 50 50 all the way through and then the secondary question becomes like does do they do that again where they split the carries evenly and does jordan james kind of work his way into that group where it now becomes like a three man rotation instead of a, tr- a two man because Jordan James last year was basically a short yardage only guy. He very ever very ever rarely got onto the field when it was a first down and ten and you know they you know he went the length of the field in a normal offense. He was always short yardage. Short yardage. I can't talk today. It's so hard for a podcast. Short yardage <laughs> down back. Um, do we do we see that changing? Do you guys agree? Is that like the biggest questions? Because I don't see Lamar. I don't see Dowdell playing.
2: Well, I I think Lachlan made it clear it's going to be difficult for either of the true freshmen to play. Um, I think he said this is not a microwave uh, preparation for a running back. This is put them in the oven for a while, but it takes some time. So I I would anticipate that those two guys are probably not big contributors unless they need to be. And that would be because of something causing one of those top three guys to fall out of favor for whatever reason or, or be out with injury. Um, so I do think those are the three guys that really you should be kind of focused on going in. And I, I would probably be a little bit surprised if it's a huge deviation, at least for the top two from what we saw last year. Um, you know, even in how Carlos talked about Bucky and Noah was always in groups um, and actually really kind of included Jordan in there. Yeah, it was never, you know, it, I think even there were a couple of pointed questions about Bucky specifically, and he always brought kind of it back to Noah and his his skill set and his talent. So I anticipate those two guys are probably going to be, I mean, Bucky, I think finished with like 20 more carries last year. I think the snap count was, I think maybe 50 or 60. you would have to go pull it up on PFF, but um, they were pretty close to 50%. I anticipate that's pretty similar. I agree with Matt that the, the question I have is is about Jordan and, and if that role changes at all. And, um, you know, we didn't get a lot of clarity when we asked Carlos about that because he pointed out that, hey, yeah, for a true freshman to be the goal line guy, that was a big role. So he's already had a big role. Um whether or not he's ready for more, I think it's hard to know right now based upon the limited information we have. But um, I, I would anticipate at the very least Jordan James is what he was last year, which is where he's finishing drives. He's out there trying to, you know, pick up first downs on, on short yardage situations. and And maybe it does grow and we do see it. I don't think it'll ever be a, a you know, a third, third, third split, but maybe it becomes a, those guys have, 80% of the rep count and and Jordan ends up getting 20%, which would be a little bit of an uptick from, from a year ago. So I guess that's where I land. I, I think it's hard to really parse through without seeing how this plays out. And we should know. like a year ago, I think we thought it was going to be completely different running back rotation going into game one. And and then every single guy was playing the first couple of weeks. So maybe maybe we'll have egg on our face on this one. But based upon what Carlos has said, I think those three guys are the ones to know. And I, I would anticipate, at least early, it looks pretty similar to last year.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think it'll change at all. I think that Bucky and Noah are like the one and two. And I think Jordan James is probably just going to be the short yardage distance guy again. Um, I I don't think there's really a reason to change it. Uh, I think that Noah and Bucky are significantly better than anybody else at the running back position. Uh, I do like Jordan James. I thought he was good in moments like during the holiday bowl uh like against cal and, and arizona and, and some of stanford where he got some more reps as like an actual running back um i do like him he's physical that's why he's the short yardage guy um but i think that noah and bucky are going to get like 95 of those of the snaps and the carries um that's just how it's going to be and that's how it was last year uh, and it worked out really damn well so i think it's more of like if it ain't broke don't fix it um they have guys at their disposal in case somebody goes down I really like Jane Lamar. I really like Dante Dowdell. Uh, Jane Lamar has kind of made a name for himself. It sounds like he's been performing really well during the fall camp with some long touchdown runs. Dowdell is ginormous. He's like 6'2", 215, so that always helps to have. Maybe he's like a pseudo short yardage guy if need be, but um, like both Whittington and James are built very similar, but I think that Whittington's just a more talented back, so – I, I I think it's more of a just a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And Bucky Irving and Noel Whittington are certainly not broke. I think they'll both have, you know, very similar years to last year.
1: Uh, Do we want to move the receiver? Sure. Sure. This is one that there's top talent. We know what we have with Franklin and and Chris Hudson. Um, But then there's also a bunch of other tangible variables into this deal. Um, yeah, where does Tez Johnson fit? Where does Gary Bryant fit? Where does Trayshawn Holden fit? Where does on Dickey fit? Has Kyler Casper developed enough to become a contributor this season? Justice Lowe was someone that early on we heard some comments about but hasn't been at practice at times during camp. Um, what about Ashton Kozart, an elite track athlete, sprinter that's also a very good football player. Has his development gone? Um, then there's the the track the real- star, the Olympian that 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 joined the team. Uh, wh- what? This is one where like we know the answers, but we don't necessarily know the order of the answers. I feel like. I, I think there's
2: a, a several of these kind of like intriguing pieces on the. Uh, I guess the exterior, but I ultimately think, like Will said a couple of days ago, they're going to play five or six guys, and I think it's going to end up being the five or six guys we all expect it to be, Um, and that would be basically the two guys who return in in Troy and Chris, the three transfers, and then maybe Jurion Dickey is your sixth guy. Is kind of how I have it. Uh, We can break it down by position if we wanted to. Um, we will. We should note. We will have a full depth chart prediction up on DuckTerritory.com. I think that's going to be a VIP feature. So there's a a, a nudge for you to maybe sign up for a subscription, um, which we are running a deal soon. Matt, right? Is that starting? You're on mute.
1: Starts that Right now, it's live. Seventy-five oh, percent oh, off.
2: It is live. Thank you. Um, anyway, so but my, I I think we know. Like to me, it feels like it's. It those are the six names to know. I don't expect a Kyler Casper. Or a justice Lowe or an Ashton Cozart or a Makai Williams to really really make much of a difference in terms of that group um, I think the good news is if five or six is the plan all year and there's a, a ding here a ding there you've got players who you're at least excited and intrigued by in terms of their skill sets um, I also think if it's five or six I would imagine we aren't going to see jury on be better than, than 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 sixth so if it is just five for a couple of weeks and they want to kind of Maintain kind of this veteran group getting the majority of the reps, especially in a game like Texas Tech. Maybe we'll see that, um, but I think Dickey's the one where his role could maybe grow throughout the season. I think even Will sort of acknowledged that with a true freshman with his skill set. Sounds like he had some nice plays as well in the in the most recent scrimmage, um, and he's been playing has kind of an uptick the last couple of weeks from what Will said. So, um, but yeah, I I think that's kind of the group, and if we wanted, we could get into how we think the starting rotation might look. But I think there's so many different options and, and frankly we haven't seen 11 on 11 or 7 on 7 football so my opinions probably haven't changed a ton since when we did the exercise so um if you if, if i guess if people want us to run through it we can run through it but i i think at this point everybody kind of knows where that all stands
0: yeah i think it's I mean, I, I don't know if I would have Dickey over Casper just yet. Uh, I still think it's like very early into into Dickey's tenure. He's only been here for fall camp. Like if he were here during the spring as well and getting reps in and learning the offense then then I might have him a little bit higher. But uh, I think he's yeah, like right on the right on the line, I'd probably have like Casper in like the six hole and then maybe Dickey is seven or eight. Um, but yeah, I think this is a pretty clear-cut conversation, kind of similar to the running backs. Um, you know, I think Troy Franklin's going to line up at X. I think Tez Johnson would probably be the, the starting slot receiver and then Treshawn Holden at Z. Um, I think that that's going to be the rotation. I think that they all have very valuable skill sets to this team. Obviously, we know what Troy Franklin did last year. Um, Tez Johnson, we all haven't seen him actually play football at Oregon because that's just how it's gone during fall camp. But we saw him during the spring game. Uh, he made some plays. He obviously had that long touchdown run up the left sideline. That uh, kind of showed every, showcased his speed to everybody. Um, and then TreShaun Holden is a guy. He's just a possession receiver. He's probably the biggest body other than Casper, like on in the wide receiver room. Um, he's physical. He's a guy that they didn't really have last year. Chase Cota was the pseudo physical receiver, but uh, TreShaun Holden's just a bigger body. Uh, I think that he can perform better at that position. Um, and I, I think it's pretty clear cut that Gary Bryan and Chris Hudson are going to join in there and help at the slot receivers. Um, and then you kind of need another guy to step up at Z or X. And maybe it's one of those guys moving from slot to Z or slot to yeah. X. Um, but, you know, you'd, you'd prefer a, a more natural Z or X to slot in there and help Troy and help Treshawn. So maybe that's where on Dickey or Kyler Casper comes in. Um, we'll just see what the rotation looks like considering we haven't seen, uh, you know, what they've done during fall camp yet.
1: The tight end room is one where I thought Drew Meringer, the tight ends coach kind of like unofficially kind of confirmed that they've got three guys right now that they feel pretty good about. And it's, they're all it's their veterans. It's Terrence Ferguson. It's Pat Herbert and then Casey Kelly, the addition. And then I think you asked the question, about, like, his blocking or comfort level of playing a freshman in reference to Kenyon Sadiq. And it was a paraphrasing, but like, we'll see. Like, he's coming along, but he's not there all the way yet. And we'll see what happens. And just read between the tea leaves. It's just like, freak athlete. It's a freshman, though. And, you know, you don't know how he's going to react until the bullets are live. And, you know, maybe he he adapts and he gets on the field and plays right away and is on the field in every game. Maybe it's a case where it's going to be a – we're going to play him until we get to that four-game mark, and then when we get to that four-game mark, we're going to decide, like, do we need to register him or do we need to keep playing him? Um, And then the question for this group becomes, is like, are they like last year where they consistently used two and sometimes three tight ends on the field at one time, or could we see them shift and pair that back a little bit where it's one – all the time and maybe they have instances where it's two, but very rarely do we see three. So do they even need a fourth tight end to be playing every single game unless someone gets hurt?
2: I think to get to where how they operated last year, they will need Kenyon to come on and feel comfortable playing him just because a year ago, they, they really rotated for tight end. We talked about this quite a bit, but they really did rotate for with pretty high frequency. Um, and there was a bit of a separation from Maliki, uh, Terrence, uh, Cam down to Pat in terms of reps, but like if Kenyon is to be that fourth guy, and even if he isn't playing quite as much, obviously there needs to be some growth there based upon what Drew said. I and I didn't take any of. I I think it's pretty clear based upon how the coaches talk about the true freshman that that is, uh, you know, because I don't think there's been a true freshman that any position coach has come out and said that guy's ready. I don't know if that's happened all camp. Maybe with the exception of maybe Mateo, based upon some of the stuff Tosh said the other day, was was pretty dang complimentary. But even that wasn't like he's going to be our number two, you know, Jack linebacker or something like that. So, um, you know, I think with Kenyon, I don't think any of that is like be discouraged. Like he's not coming along. I think it's more of like, we've got three guys who've done this before. Let's let's put those guys out there and make sure, and, and you know, make sure we have put our best foot forward. Um, but over the course of the season, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Kenyon ends up being somebody who plays quite a bit. Um, I think there's certainly an open role there. He's, his skill set is just different from the other guys in this room um physically he's a little bit different obviously athletically he's got a a different skill set with his background playing wide receiver he does have a lack of experience really as an inline blocker so that's where I kind of wanted to know on the tight end part how is he coming along there and and Drew was complimentary of the physicality and the effort he's putting in but you could kind of tell like he's he's not anywhere near a finished product in that regard so um I think you're going to see Oregon lean on their veterans early. And if Kenyon comes along enough, he can be the fourth guy. And and shoot, like he's talented enough where his role um, in the offense, even if he is the fourth guy, he could be the tight end that finishes with the second most catches or something over the course of the season if he really does step up just because his skill set is, is so strong in that area. So I'm not predicting that. I don't really have a clear sense of exactly how they want to use him, but – I don't think this is a situation where you just completely write him off and say he's not contributing this year. I think if they want to get to a place where they're rotating four, he's obviously the guy. There's really not another choice. You'd have to be relying on a on a walk on who also hasn't really played at this level.
0: I think Kenyon's biggest role is going to be that pass catcher role. Um, I think they're going to line him up as like a pseudo Z receiver because he's big enough, he's athletic enough. Obviously, played high or played wide receiver in high school. You know, he's like. 20 pounds lighter than Terrence Ferguson is and Patrick Herbert is like there's a big difference and that's fine for a true freshman because you don't expect them to come in with the same physicality that you need in college football as you did in high school Um, and Drew Maringer was very frank about that like he's just he's just gonna have to learn he's just gonna have to bulk up and he's just going to have to uh, you know figure out how to play tight end at the collegiate level and not just be like a speedy physical receiver at the high school level um but I think that could be his path to playing time is they line up in 12 personnel, but maybe it's because Kenyon Sadiq is playing out wide and it's really only like a one tight end set. Um, I think that there's a lot of options that they could run with him. Just depends if he's ready for the speed of the game. Uh, The tight end room in general is, you know, obviously if you've listened to this podcast, you know how I feel about it. It's still thin um, because one, one injury to, Patrick Herbert or Terrence Ferguson and suddenly there's a you know Casey Kelly is getting you know 50% of the snaps along with whoever you know isn't injured and then Kenyon Sadiq has to play and then it's Caden Ludwig as your fourth tight end and so the the idea of running 13 personnel becomes um, extremely hard to do because you could lose another guy and then suddenly you're down to two scholarship tight ends and two walk-on tight ends and the way Will Stein runs his offense, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of twelve personnel. I don't know if it'll be a lot of thirteen personnel just based off of how many guys they have available. Um, we already saw Terrence Ferguson get hurt during spring. Um, Patrick Herbert has a you know a limited injury history, or not a limited injury. He has a he has an injury history. He's had some couple major injuries in his career already. So. Um, there's going to be opportunities for a guy not named Terrence Ferguson to pull through in this group and do something in this offense. Um, I'll just be interested to see how liberal Will sign is with playing 12 and 13 personnel, knowing that if some guy goes down, you know, this room can turn can turn really thin really fast. So we'll see. I still think it's a talented group. I still think that Terrence Ferguson is going to be you know, an absolute weapon for Stein and Bo Nix and this offense, but you know, health is going to be a factor just like a lot of other position groups, but this is one of the thinnest ones on the team.
1: Offensive line, maybe the biggest question mark in mm-hmm. the entire offense. Um, similar to the offensive, uh, the receivers where we kind of know the answers. We just don't know the order of the answers go in to fit the, to fit the quiz. Um, Pretty pretty confident. We know that Connerly will be the left tackle. Um, Johnny Cornelius will probably be the right tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feel well confident. JPJ will be the center, but he's missed some practice. He's missed a lot. Uh, missed yeah. a lot. Yeah. And it, maybe it's uh it's a is he available to play center? If he is, he's the center. Is he not, if he's not available? That becomes. A oh boy who is next in line. And then the guards, injuries have also popped up here. Not, or we should say assumed injuries. We haven't seen a couple guys at practice most recently, Nashad Strother. Um, we saw him walk out of the HTC Wednesday afternoon with a sling, uh, looked like shoulder, didn't have any like medical attachments or you know, braces or anything like that on his arm. So it was more so using as the sling for like a shoulder or something. don't want to read too much into that, but um, he hasn't practiced in a couple days. Hasn't been available, which creates a, well, like maybe now with the offensive line, it's kind of, who's just available to start. We have like the eight names that we think are all in play, but of those eight, who's maybe available.
2: Yeah. So I agree with the tackles. I think that's kind of been the expectation since Johnny joined the team. And, you know, and, and I, Think that's exactly where it's at. I don't think there's any question that Connor would play left and Johnny will play right. I thought I had a sense of the interior stuff until some of these injuries and to Matt's point, Nishad missed yesterday's practice. That was the first one he'd missed all fall. JPJ has not practiced, I think, since the first scrimmage. So it's coming up on eight or nine days um, of mm-hmm. eight or nine practices, I should say, more than that in terms of days. So and we haven't even seen him around the facility, which is a little bit more concerning too. But He's the undoubted starting center if he's available. I just am now not totally sure he will be. And we've kind of sat and waited a little bit to see if he'd come back. And we'll have an opportunity to speak with Dan on Monday, hopefully to get some clarity. But that certainly is is the big question right now is what's his availability? And then the other one is I, I had thought Nishad Strother was going to be the starting left guard day one. That was kind of how I felt things had sort of come together in camp but with Stephen Jones' starting right guard with Harper and, and Ongi Lau as the backups. That was kind of where my mind had started to go based upon how they'd been working in certain drills we'd watched um, and, and, and some other things we'd heard. But if those guys, Struthers not available and JPJ's not available, you're playing some musical chairs. And this is why we were kind of like, why did they add all these guys in the offseason? We think that they're going to have players who are starting caliber who are backups. Well, this is kind of one of the reasons why. This is a position group where you just deal with a lot of injuries. And this is the luxury of it of where, Well, Marcus Harper started 10 games last year. None of them were at center, but he was the other big competitor in the spring and kind of has been the other competitor into fall at center. Well, now maybe you just slide him in place of JPJ to start the season. Um, And we thought maybe he was going to be left guard or Nishad was going to be left guard. Well, maybe Junior Angelao, who it sounds like worked primarily at right guard. And that's what he said. That's what Dan has said. But he's also started, I think, at least one full season at Texas at left guard. So he's played there. Um, and then that leaves Steven Jones as the right guard, which I think if everything was equal and everybody was available, I would have said the biggest question I had was, is Steven Jones or Junior Anguilau the starting right guard? Because I would have expected coming into fall that Anguilau was going to be one of the starters, but if he's working at right guard and Steven Jones, every time we w- watch them through against certain drills, it seems like he and a Johnny are just tied at the hip as the right guard, right tackle combination. I kind of felt like that was where that was headed. So a lot of this is just going to be dependent on who's available. Um, I agree with Matt. It's not encouraging in the with the you know his his arm in a sling. That doesn't seem to you know signify he's ready to go right away. Maybe it's just precautionary. I hope that's the case. And then J P J not being around is also not ideal. So that's kind of my, my where my mind is. At. I know. I ran through a lot there. Um, and then I guess I guess the depth pieces we could get into that and how everything else fills out, but I don't know I guess Jared, do you, what do you what are your thoughts? Kind of hearing me run through all of that, and are there any disagreements or other names you want to bring up for some of those spots?
0: No, I think that's about it. I think you know Harper's been a guy who's been repping at center for the greater part of three years now. Ever since coming to Oregon, he's yep. been a guard and center. Um, he's yep. you know worked his way up the depth chart. He's worked his way up into being a starter for most of the year last year when Stephen Jones went out. So. Um, I think he's he's capable of being a center. I think what you miss if Jackson Powers Johnson isn't able to go is a guy who understands how to read a defense, who learned from Alex Forsyth, who understand who has been with Bo Nix for you know working at center now for for two years. Cause last year Harper was, you know, primarily repping at guard, not at center during practices, but JPJ has always been the backup center. He's been the backup center for three years now. So, or well, two years, presumably starting center this year. Um, so I think Harper sliding over is very natural. I think that should probably be the case if JPJ is unable to go. Um, Junior Angalau has been talking about how he's been at right guard, so he's probably going to be there. Uh, I'll have more more to say about that in a second. And then Stephen Jones at left. or uh, I, I, There's a little bit of a limited depth at guard rather than tackle. Because tackle yeah. is obviously a Johnny at right, and then Josh Connolly at left. But you have George Silva and you have Feo Pelalu who – can play they can go out there and play and george silva is you know he was a highly rated recruit i think he was the number one juco offensive tackle maybe even the number one juco player at the country i don't remember off the top of my head but he was top tier junior junior college tackle with junior angle my worry is his lower half he's only a year removed from a complete torn acl and we've talked a lot about his upper body strength you know he wants to break the bench press record he wants he benches like 500 pounds which is incredibly impressive but mm-hmm. uh he didn't really share on his squat his squat numbers he didn't you know he said that he's still like getting that you know kind of kind of getting back into lifting heavy in the squat and he said that during uh, during uh, oregon media day so i worry a little bit about his lower half and his strength there and what he can do at at you know, if he has to be a guy who's you know playing all the time, because if it's a rotational thing, where I'm not saying it'll be the Mario Cristobal hockey line changes five in five out, but I think Oregon, you know, if they're 100 percent healthy at the offensive line, have a lot of options. You know, I think Junior has always graded out as a better uh, run blocker than a pass blocker. Guess what, Marcus Harper does? He's the complete opposite. He's a better pass blocker than he is a run blocker. So you can switch guys out if everybody's healthy. Uh, and especially with Junior coming off a significant injury. So I think that's something to monitor, but in terms of uh, what the starting five will look like if these injuries do persist and um, don't allow for people to play in week one against Portland State, I think, Eric, I think you nailed it. Um, the guard depth is a little concerning just in case somebody else does go down because then you're looking at um, Dave Ayuli, who's a talented recruit. You're looking at Poncho Lalu. Uh, younger brother of Fayope, like he's a true freshman. Like I know we've heard a lot of praise about him, but um, yeah, it's just difficult to put your true freshman in there. And if this happens after week one, their first true their first game would be a road game against Texas Tech, which is not a not a nice environment to play in as a true freshman. It's rather loud there. So uh, just just some things that you got to monitor. Um, we'll see if it's if it comes to fruition if all these guys can't play or can play. So. Um, but it's certainly a little bit more interesting than it was two and a half weeks ago.
1: Do we think, so Mario, different coaches, I know this, but we've seen, like, so in Mario's, like, pre-COVID years, they didn't substitute at all. Like, even when blowout situations came around, it was very rarely for a backup to get into the game. And then COVID ha- happened. And then after that, they rotated positions. They rotated guys. And then Landing showed up last year and they played guys. They didn't rotate positions nearly as much as they had done the year before. Um, Connolly was about the only one to get in on a regular basis, while Feope, he played in all 12 games but it was a lot of those came in blowout situations do we do we see Oregon because of maybe some injuries and some uncertainties maybe get a couple extra guys into portland state a little earlier to jared's point about the tech game week 2 and beyond that if jpj strowler if okay. some of these guys are hurt and, they, and do you, do we see them rotate guys in a little bit more frequently? Because wasn't it Terry or Stein that said, I feel like we've got eight guys that could play there. Like if we've got Stein. eight guys, we probably should be playing all eight guys then.
2: Stein said that. And Aliq even said like, you know, I think he said there hasn't been a Joe Moore award winner, which is what you give to the best complete offensive line in the country that hasn't, that has just used five, that you're going to have to use more than that over the course of the mm-hmm. season. That's just the plan. And he said, frankly, like if we have to do a little rotating, we've got, That's a good thing because we've got players that are capable of doing it. Um, Oh, I I had one thing I was going to share George Silva, the number three national junior college player of the year, but the number one offensive tackle. So correct on that one, Jared. Um, And then the other thought I had was it would be, I think, optimal, obviously, for whatever five you have in the opener to be the same five you have going against Texas Tech like that continuity to me is pretty valuable. Just because this is going to be a group that really hasn't faced competition together ever. I mean, so many of these pieces are either brand new starters at the college level, like a Josh Connerly or guys who started, but at other schools or, you know, a couple of guys who have started. But even like Jones and Harper have started games at Oregon, but they've never really played together because Harper was being, you know, he was replacing Jones. Jones came back and he replaced Harper. So it's not like they've really worked together. So. I think it would be super great if they could use the Portland State game to get some continuity, get some chemistry developed, use that for that before going into, to Jared's point, a really, really intense environment down in Lubbock. So especially at center, I mean, it would be great if you could make sure that Jackson Powers Johnson at least has had some time here because I know they want him to be the center. I think it's pretty clear that's the the, the aim be great if he had a game to at least feel like he could get comfortable doing all of the, all the different things he needs to do in a game environment, all the things that Alex Forsyth was so good at. It's a lot more than just snapping the ball. It's a lot more than that. There's a ton going on pre-snap. There's a lot of responsibilities post-snap. There's a lot of responsibilities of making sure everybody's in the right place. So I think it would be really beneficial if that's the case, but it kind of feels like that might not be the case this year with, with whatever's going on with Jackson. I don't want to get too far down the road here, but it's possible he's not around for a couple of weeks, and that puts a lot of pressure on guys who've not been here. Um, so, to Matt's point, yeah, I think they should try to get some rotations in there against Portland State. But I also think, like, you want to if whatever five you've got that you want that you think you're going to play against Texas Tech, I think you want those guys working together as much as possible against Portland State just to get some continuity because this group just hasn't hasn't worked together before.
0: Yeah, and they, you know, to your point, they might not have the opportunity to rotate they might not have as many guys as they think that they once had to get out there onto the field. So yeah, no, I agree with you, Eric. I think they need to get um, however many reps they can get against Portland state. And maybe that includes going in garbage time, but probably not just because they don't want anybody else to get hurt. So um, whatever the five that elite Terry and Will Stein and Dan Lanning, whatever they figure out, you know, that should be the group that plays the most. Um, You know, I think the, the nice thing is that there is positional versatility and they can go and sub guys out to play different positions. Like, you know, Stephen Jones had talked about playing you know, tackle this, this fall, which I don't think any of us projected him to do again, you know, after, I don't even know the last time he played tackle on a regular basis, but um, I think we all projected him to be a guard, but you know, this is what, this is a modern trend, I guess, of positional versatility with your offensive line and then your defensive backs as well, where, you know, if you can figure out what they play best at, then that's better for the team. But they also have this ability to play other positions. So uh, I think that they'll get reps in. I think that they'll probably rotate a little bit just to get some more game experience. But um, for up to me, I, w- I wouldn't let those guys not see the field. Like I'm, I'm pushing them out there every single time,
1: even if Oregon's up by
0: 30 to 35.
1: All right, it's going to do it for us here on this edition of the AUTS Audibles podcast. Look out tomorrow. We'll have a podcast devoting full round talk, uh, discussion about the defensive side of the football. Um, also, go to duckterritory.com, 75% off for $27, less than $27. You get an entire year's worth of coverage. Uh, I think I've said this before, but our overall overcompensating coverage of Oregon Athletics, I think, is unmatched. Uh, all three of us are at football practice, all three of us are at football games um we're at women's basketball we're at men's basketball we're at baseball uh we make it a big priority to to be at all the big sporting events and we're the only outlet that can say that you know we've pretty much won and had more than one person at all of them which is a pretty pretty big accomplishment um go to duckterritory.com for more coverage of the ducks and get your membership for 75 percent off and look forward to tomorrow's edition of the show looking at the defense Talk to you later, folks. Peace.